Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday. June 2nd, uh, my name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by my two good friends, Vasily Larikos and Spencer Schultz. Uh, coming to you guys in a little bit of a weird time here, even since we last recorded, things have gotten uh, very, very strange. Uh, things have escalated very quickly in the country. Um, weird time to be alive. We were already in the middle of a pandemic, and now we have uh, you know all this stuff escalating around the country after the uh, murder of George Floyd. Obviously, it's a very sensitive subject, uh, something that we've kind of all been dealing with in our own ways on social media off of it. Um, and yeah, it's just a very tough, touchy subject. I don't know if you guys really have any like opening thoughts that you want to bring or anything like that. Or I think that the three of us definitely are in recognition that, I mean, I got a little feely on Twitter, but I mean, much of my life has been shaped by black culture, which I consider American culture. Um, many people that I respect, idolize, and gives me goosebumps are black and are upset. And I'm here for them. I support them. And, you know, I have the one thing that I've learned is that they want, I'm a white man and they want white men specifically to speak up. So I'm here to speak up and say that I support them. I don't know their struggle. I didn't live that. I went to public school in Carroll County, Maryland. I never had a black teacher, I never had a non white teacher. Uh, in my 12 years of grade school, but I'm here for them. I support them. And I believe that, you know, many of our listeners and many of my own personal friends are greatly influenced by amazingly accomplished, smart, athletic, fun, bright black men, black women, and not just black men or women, all different races, all different sizes, all different colors. And I know that when I was growing up, I learned in school when I was a little boy that this country was founded as a melting pot. I am of Jewish descent, Vasilis. I know that you are of Greek descent, Jake. I know that you are a mutt kind of like I am, but of Irish descent, among many other things, Cajun, Rage and Cajun as well. Um, and I 
thought when I was little that this was a, a country that, you know, in a society that loved Greek food and Italian food and movies that star black men and movies that star women, Asian women and whatever. And whoever you were, if you're a fun person, if you're a nice person, if you're a good person, you'll be treated as such. And if you're an asshole, you will also be treated as such. And that is a world that I want to live in that I thought I lived in. And I now recognize that, you know, there's a struggle every single day for a lot of people. And it's not just, you know, black men and women, but right now they're hurting really badly. So if right now it is about black men and women and I support them and I'm here for them. And anyone who has any thing to reach out to talk about is upset about. I have your back. If I have ears for you, I have a shoulder for you. And I know that Jake and Vasilis both feel the same way. Absolutely. Well said, Spencer. Um, the bottom line, the police should not be murdering people. I think everybody agrees with that. And, uh, you know, I can't speak directly to it, obviously. Uh, I'm not qualified, but I hope that the movement that's going on leads to positive change going forward because, you know, you, you, something's got to change. I think I think everyone agrees with that. Yeah, that's really well said by both of you guys. I think the thing that you can do if you're in a position like us, you know, just regular average middle class white dudes who just grew up not really understanding all this stuff, what you can do is just seek to understand, you know, if you have friends that are angry, anxious, you know, frustrated, whatever it is, just seek to understand and listen and uh, I think that's going to be the first step towards cultivating a new generation where that's the system. You know, racism is not the system. The things that we grew up with to a certain extent are no longer the system. You know, we're we're here for you. We hear you. And, you know, we're we're in support of, you know, everything that you're trying to accomplish, you know, everything that you're trying to change and to make this world a better place. We, we feel for you and uh, we'll do what we can to try and come to an understanding. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate everyone that, you know, has spoken up and spoken out and we want to portray love, positivity and we've got ears to listen. So we're here first and foremost. For sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, wanted to say something on that. We have a platform. We didn't want to just be completely silent. So we've said it. It's out of the way. You guys can, like Spencer said, hit us up on social media if you want to, you know, talk, event, get anything out. I know we have a lot of black people that listen to the show that, you know, are amongst the audience that uh, I consider, you know, personal friends of mine. If you listen to the show, you are a friend of mine. So, uh, yeah, we, like I said, we're in complete support. Um, and I guess moving on from that, kind of a tough segue, but time to talk a little bit of football. You guys ready? Yeah. Good choice again, Jake. Definitely. So we're doing another back in the day. We did one a couple weeks ago to what I would say rave reviews. Many people said rave reviews. I mean, listen to me. I'm just just completely going off track here. I don't know what's going Our on. Our Raven reviews get rave reviews. Raven reviews. Listen, you that's why I have you on the show. You always are able to bring it together. But, you know, <laughs> tremendous reviews from the people that uh, listened into the last Back in the Day podcast that we did of the 2003 wildcard game, Titans at Ravens. A lot of people reached out, you know, were very thankful for us uh, going back and letting them experience a little bit and a little bit of nostalgia for a game that was 17 years ago at this point. Kind of hard to believe. 2003, 17 years ago. Went a little bit more recent this time, 2011, week nine. And this is a really fun one. A lot of people are going to hold this game very closely in their hearts. Uh, I know I do. I know you guys both do for, uh, I think, different reasons. But we'll get into that, certainly, at uh, you know the, the proper point. But, uh, yeah, like I said, 2011, week nine, Ravens at Steelers in primetime, Sunday night football. Alan, Chris on the call. What is your guys' opening thoughts? Six and three and six and three. 
and the Bengals were six and two. I, th- I think I th- so. I think the Ravens were five and two, and the Steelers yes. were six and two. The yes, Bengals correct. were six and two as well, and leading the division surprisingly with the young Andy Dalton and the young Adriel Jeremiah Green leading up their offense. So very competitive division this year, a lot of fun, and uh, just a ton of very good teams uh, duking it out in the AFC North, which is the way I think it should always be. So to light the candle and set the aesthetic, the AFC North is in those heydays of the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and I believe Al Michaels actually said early in the broadcast that the Browns also, so these four teams, the classic AFC North comprised four of the top five defenses in terms of yards and points headed into week nine of the 2000 and what are we at? Is this 2000? This is 2010. This is 2011. 2011 season. So at that point, that team, uh, these two teams were two top five defenses. This was the good old days of AFC North football. The freaking nose guards, the goddamn huge middle linebackers, the big backs, the, you know, oh, it's second and 10. We're going to bust it down your throat for one yard, and it's going to be third and nine, and then we're going to throw a freaking pick because we are grown men. Oh, yeah. It was that AFC North. <laughs> this was the apex of the Ravens-Steelers rivalry, this game in particular. And uh, to rewind, in week one of this uh, same season, 2011, the Ravens put it on the Steelers 35-7, fourth Big Ben into five turnovers, seven turnovers in total. That game also featured a nice little brawl between uh, Ray Rice and Troy Palomalu. A couple other guys jumped in there. Um, it was uh, it was great, and it was defensive football, as you said. Their Steelers finished the, the season number one in pass D and uh, number eight in run D. The Ravens finished the season number four in pass D, number two in run D. Spencer, we talked about where you were with this game a couple weeks ago. We, we'll bring it up again, obviously. Voss, where were you in November of 2011? Uh, November 2011, I was, uh, I owned a restaurant in Severna Park and I went to this game, uh, with my father, I believe used to have off on Sundays uh, not this game week one, I should say, but, uh, yeah, that, those were, uh, good times for sure. Nice. And uh quick, a quick recap from the good Dr. Schultz on, uh, his experience with this one. It's very unique. I got to watch the game. I was at a house. At, I was going to Towson. I was at a house that was used. It was the biggest house in my fraternity. About eight guys live there. And uh, we have been dispelled from campus now, so I'm comfortable to say these things. We used to be very tight-lipped about it, but I was pledging a fraternity at Towson, and I was upstairs with my – we used to call it a hagemon, which was a Latin word. Uh, it means pledge dad, pledge father, pledge daddy, whatever the hell other people call it. Some weird stuff sometimes. Pledge daddy doesn't sit right with me, but that's what he was. Huge Ravens fan. Um, we are upstairs uh, every Sunday night. We had pledge meeting at 9 p.m. Uh, this was a Sunday night football game. I usually went to the game, so I would go to the games, have a good time, and get my ass kicked later at night. Not literally, but have to do a lot of workouts, eat a lot of nasty shit upstairs watching the game. And I'm with, you know, a three or four. They're really, I swear at Towson, there weren't a ton of really big Ravens fans, but I'm upstairs with a couple, three or four really good, really into it Ravens fans watching, and Ravens are winning the whole game. I'm getting ready for this event. My pledge dad's like, all right, you know, we're we're going to watch this game. We're going to watch this game. Uh, the Steelers score a touchdown, and he's like, all right, we delayed this. Everyone's waiting downstairs. Go downstairs. And I was like, there was two minutes left. My jaw dropped. I was like, please. I'm not going to say his name, but I was like, please please let me watch the end. Please let me watch the end. It was right before the Ravens final drive. I go downstairs. Everyone makes me go downstairs. I was like a sad puppy. I go downstairs. 
we had this whole incident happen where one of our pledge brothers quit. We tried to go pick him up from his house. He didn't go to, he didn't live at Taos. And we tried to go pick, we're like, yeah, we'll go get him and bring him back. His mom said he would call, she would call the cops on us. So we had to go back to the brothers who are already agitated for starting late after we unsuccessfully brought him back. My pledge dad comes downstairs, smoking a cigarette, you know, has an ember, freaking flicks it towards us, not at, it doesn't hit anybody, it flicks it at us. He's like, you know, I'm already pissed off. You guys messed this up. You messed that up. And the damn Ravens just lost. So now they're in third place in the freaking AFC North. Joe Flacco's a fucking idiot. Like, blah, 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 blah. So I'm doing push ups, doing all this bows and toes, freaking all this stuff. And, getting haze i'm in the basement and the whole time it was so much worse because i was like man the ravens are five and three the steelers are seven and two we play so and so and so and so and so and so they only play so and so and so and so they're not even gonna make the playoffs the bengals are good this is the worst get out of the pledge event at like 1 30 in the morning and check my phone and joe flacco threw a game-winning touchdown pass to tory smith so i was relieved it's just the ultimate guys being dude story the ultimate uh yeah, man, frat story. Yeah, just like, you know, frat on good, sir. Just backwards hats and like doing push ups and lying to each other about the results of games. I mean, that's just all in a good night. Good night's work. Um, yeah, I mean, what else do we got to hit on? Number one song on the charts. Anyone want to wager a guess? November of 2011. I got a feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. I don't know. That's a good guess, I feel like. That is a good guess. But incorrect. Um, I have no idea. Someone like you by Adele. So the nice, wow. the, the nice light poppy song that that era is really known for. Someone like you by Adele. It's a pretty good. I song. didn't even. I wouldn't have. If you asked when did Adele hit the charts first, I would have said 2014. I think. Yeah, no. So I thought that too, uh, but I think we're confusing it with that other Adele song that was popular around that time. I forget what it's called. Um, but yeah, she fire, make the fire burn or whatever. Yeah, yeah, who who could say? But she, you know, she had a good run early to mid uh, 20 teens there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so going into 2011, a couple big additions made. They signed tackle Bryant McKinney in the preseason, who would go on to play a big role with the Ravens, but not necessarily that year. Wide receiver Lee Evans they picked up uh, in the draft. They grabbed Jimmy Smith in the first round. Uh, Torrey Smith in the second round is going to play a big role here. They got Vontae Leach that year. Um, they signed Ricky Williams, who, you know, the all-time great quote, uh, I got high and forgot I wasn't supposed to get high when asked about, you know, why he kept getting suspended. Um, <laughs> draft also notable for Pernell McPhee and Tyrod Taylor, though they didn't really make huge contributions to this team. McPhee actually what a draft was class. good. McPhee was, had one of the best uh, rookie seasons of any Ravens pass rusher. Okay, so maybe I'm a little bit uh, confusing him with somebody else there. I know he did get involved in this game. I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point. Um, so, yeah, it's November 6th. 2011, five and two Ravens, six and two Steelers. Ravens. I don't know if we had talked on this yet, but their uh, first game of the season was a 50 or 35 to seven shellacking of the Steelers, known um, as the hit. Sure. In Ravens history, Bart yeah. Scott drilling Ben Roethlisberger, loudest I ever heard at Bank Stadium. Yeah, definitely. Well, I thought you were going to say JJ. On I was Ward. going to say that. That was the Ward that game was the too, one right? I was thinking of. I was thinking of Bart Scott on Ben. I think that was the Ward I game too. No, I think Bart Scott on Ben was 2010. No, it was and the 35 to seven game. I'm positive. Okay. The crazy thing is that the crazy thing is that it's impossible to even look up. We can't even use Google or anything to check. That's true. It is. Yeah. No Google. Not allowed. Yeah, definitely. But JJ, I think JJ and uh, Rob. On a side note, Rob Burnett and Achilles Smith looked that one up too. That's okay. Yes. Okay. I like yes. it. So they're off to a hot start, five and two. Um, I think they had like an understandable loss to the Titans. It looks like, and then Classic. the twelve to seven loss to the Jaguars was before this one. 
So that was. A I don't. Tough one. I do not remember that game. I don't recall. Neither Is do I. Played the one the where uh, Pagano called. Uh, maybe I'm mixing this up. MJD a rolling ball of butcher knives. Yes. Th- yeah. It was I a think Monday so. night game. It was a Monday night trap game in Jacksonville. Yeah, it was a prime it was time a different game. Year. It was so fun. Yes, it was Monday night. Yes. Yep, that was the one. That was a trap game. That was terrible. Yeah. So, do you guys remember your general thoughts on like where the team was at going into this one? Anything specific, or is it kind of vague? Joe Flacco is starting to look pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. He he has a certain confidence consistently that he did not have his rookie season nearly as consistently where the ball was coming out hot a lot. And uh, he always had that, you know, Eli Manning-esque. We I, we always love to compare those two because how can you not? But he had that deer escaping a predator thing, and it used to result in fumbles and sacks and weird plays. But now it's starting to be him throwing off balance and throwing darts everywhere. And he's starting to look like a really good quarterback. That was my – and the defense was – like still unbelievably good. This is literally the last year of this defense being really good. Yeah. Th- some people say now that 2011 was, was the best roster or depth chart the Ravens ever had. I'm not sure if I agree with that because they were a little bit weak at offensive tackle and a little bit weak at corner. I think maybe last year's team was better, but they definitely, they made the playoffs three years in a row coming into this. Um, they, they had all the pieces, right? And Flacco, as you said, was coming into his own and Pittsburgh was the team that was in their way. They had give, given them two crushing playoff defeats in the previous years. Both of them, games could have went their way, and it seemed that any time the game was on the line, somehow, some way, Pittsburgh would get a call or make a play, and, and they needed to knock them off. They crushed them in week one, and, and then this game, if you figure if you could do it twice in a row, then maybe you slay that dragon. Yeah, Get definitely. The off their proverbial, proverbial back. Yeah, exactly. It felt like uh, 08 and 09, like 08, that was a really good team. But since Flacco was just so kind of green, it didn't, they sort of had the feel of a really strong wild card team that was going to be ready to make the leap soon. 20 or 2009, you know, they kind of fell ass backwards into the playoffs, won a game, but, you know, there was luck that, you know, played into that as well. 2010, they felt like, an, you know, another good wild card team, not quite there yet, but 2011, and like specifically the first half of the season, I do remember thinking, all right, like if they don't go and win the division and at least make a deep run here, then that's probably going to be it for a while. Uh, so the fact that Flacco was looking so good, I was pretty, pretty confident, pretty pumped up. I'm usually kind of down on the team going into a spot like this. Prime time in a very tough place to play, but I remember, you know, expecting them to really duke it out, and uh, if not win, get really damn close. Uh, so this was certainly a fun one for young Jakey. Uh, but yeah, so like I mentioned, NBC Sunday Night Football, Alan Chris on the call. Opening- this is when Chris Collinsworth still is awful. He's so good now. And you think in so? 2019, 2020, he was horrible during this game. I was pissed. So I we were, we, we, me and Voss were talking offline before <laughs> you got on here about how uh, people have turned the corner on Collinsworth. Uh, I've always loved him. I don't know, man. I just, it, it, I, maybe I don't pay attention to the analysis enough, but like, I just, when he slides in and, you know, he's, just, he's got the smile going and he's kind of hamming it up for the cameras, it just, it feels like Sunday night. And I'm just like, it Maybe was, he sipping a Bud Light that I had left over, just like trying to, you know, wash the weekend away. And he's comforting me into a deep sleep. 
like I was uh, obviously I love the Ravens. Big surprise there, but like he would obsess over one player for like twenty five consecutive minutes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, here this guy Tory Smith coming here the second round out of Maryland. He's making a big you know contribution into this one, but he's got some, with a three uh, touchdown performance in one quarter. But uh, like tell you what, they were Ravens- talking about him being a bust, and then Ray Lewis put his hands on his shoulders and said, "Listen, you got to get <laughs> By it the together." Power here. Of God. Yeah, pretty much. Let the power of Ray compel you, but I have a Ray Lewis tattoo on my calf. That is my favorite all-time Raven, one of my very my number one idol in my life. And if he talked about Ray Lewis for twenty minutes, I would hate Ray Lewis. Like, what whoever he talked about, if it was Aaron Rodgers, I would turn the football game. Tell you what, this guy's like a preacher up on a pulpit leading this defense out here. He's just getting them to do whatever they've got to do. I'll tell you what, it's uh, pretty something to watch, Al. I'll tell you. <laughs> and Al, Michaels is the man. Him. Michaels held it all together, though. I love Michaels. They're He's great. The yeah, Al is a G man. Sick intro too, Jake. With yeah, the, the yeah. What was it? The uh, the four quarters of fury. They had like yes, I noted that in my notes that I wrote down four quarters of fury, and it was like big steel colliding. Like bah. that would not happen today. Tyson. They had like they split from Ray Lewis to Tyson back to Holy. Like bo- like guys yeah. getting cut too. Like they would not show that in 2020. Agreed. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, I think just the absolute sweet spot for like broadcasts, but who could say? So the game opens, and I believe it's a touchback. And I don't remember this happening, but Ray Rice scores on the opening play, and it's called back by the rookie there, Tory Smith, getting a hold on. Uh, it what? wasn't a hold. No, it, no, was not. it, it wasn't was a hold at all. Hold. It was on his shoulder. Or was, his it, was it William Gay? I think it was, yeah. Or, he fell down. Yeah. William Gay yeah. fell he down. He pulled him down. That's a classic move. Yeah, you you pull the guy down and make it look like he was touching his shoulder. His hand was right there. From the twenty-four on first down, and they start on the ground and they give the ball to Rice and he cuts it back and Rice off to the races as he was in game one in Baltimore. But there's a flag down at the line of scrimmage for the moment. Rice has gone into the end zone, but the way the Ravens are reacting, and Rice can do all the celebrating he wants. But wait till he looks back and sees that flag, because that's going to negate a 76 yard. It, it was a it, textbook square block, not even like anything bad at all called back. It was a bat, yeah. It was a very bad so call. Up, here 76 we go. yards. Yeah, I yep. mean, the, the first play of the game. Like, can you imagine the tone that would have set? And that ends up totaling more yards on that play than Ray Rice had the rest of the game, which is kind of sick. I mean, you know, it speaks to the physicality of this rivalry, but if that play had broken open, who knows what he would have gone on to do. Uh, but, I mean, so out of that drive, you get Flacco with a long completion to Pitta on the first drive. Absolute beauty. Uh, and, like, we were talking about this a little bit on Twitter, but just great ability to throw from those awkward angles in his prime. Um, and it's a long, you know, clock-killing drive. Uh, stalls out at the two-yard line. That's so Ravens. Uh, so it's 3 nothing Baltimore, eight minutes stalls left. Stalls out. It was a fourth and one. And it was a close one. And it, like Yonda, it, Yonda missed the pool block. Yeah, and it also it could down, have been it could have been a touch. Yeah, yeah, right. And it could have been a touchdown on third down if they had not ruled Rice down with the forward progress stop. Third and goal, and it it's Rice. Rice keeps those legs going and doesn't get it. He is stopped just short of the goal line. So now what? So now if you're Harbaugh. You've got less than a yard to go. Rice thinks it's a touchdown. Yeah, forward progress, Al. Watch the entirety of this play. Rice is going to get stopped, no question. Apparently, they blow the whistle here. But as he continues to fight, and Bonte Leach comes up and pushes him, 
He is actually going to get in the end zone. Ray Rice got fired up. And the P.I. on Torrey is what got them down there. And just quick note on Torrey, and I don't remember this guy's name, but when I was, I don't even a, a writer for Beatdown, just a commenter. Uh, somebody, a previous writer, wrote an article, and Torrey had double the – he had the most pass interferences in the league, and the next – then the second place, he had more than double the second place throughout his time. I so remember the time when, when Torrey Smith and jo- – just Torrey Smith had more defensive pass interference yards in a season. I don't know if it was this year or another year than the rest of the NFL, any other NFL yeah, team. Yeah, it was insane how many he got. It would but piss anyway. me off when, like, Flacco would, you know, take a lot of heat, but that was just one there. It was like, you know what? Yeah, like, that's just kind of part of his game. Like, and he's good at it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, him Torrey's and – game, too. Torrey yeah, yeah, yeah. People. It wasn't just Flacco. Torrey also is very loose and wild as he runs. A lot of flailing. A lot of flailing arms. Yeah, like, he's like the wacky, waving, inflatable arm flailing. The There's a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving late. He always tries to propel himself off, and he probably was guilty of a lot of OPI that didn't get called, too, but that's even better. He actually, yeah, I do remember um, – um, he he had a couple of those even in the Super Bowl where they were you know he would kind of wave for the call and you know Sims would be like yeah that's offensive pass interference of anything and you know young uh, testosterone fueled me would scream at Phil Sims for being stupid but that's neither here nor there um, so the next drive Steelers open it up and I just got PTSD with Roethlisberger doing that triple pump fake. And just like nobody around him. And then, you know, he's just like making these throws. But it turns out that they had a three and out on that drive, right? Webb stops Mendenhall uh, on the third and Huge tackle. Yeah. Webb Webb was in his prime in 11. And he was one of the best corners in the game. And the preceding or the the following um, offseason, he got a $52 million contract. And he deserved that contract. He was a beast in 2011. Then he started getting hurt and all kind of – but he was he was awesome that year. He was a second year player at that point, I think. Twenty ten, Nickel State fifth round pick, or two thousand nine. I think he was a third, third round pick. pick. Third no, round. He pick. was he had to be at least in his third year. He couldn't have got the extension. Yeah, it was two thousand nine, third rounder. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy Jimmy wasn't playing back then either. No, he no, wasn't. No, no. It, was, it was Kerry Williams, and then the the, uh, the Nickelback was Chris Carr, I believe. Yeah, they signed Carr. They signed yes. Carr back to uh, take over for where Jimmy would have been. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they just wanted to give him some time, and he was probably dealing with injuries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the NBC talking about the broadcast. Say, I don't know if you guys noticed the DVR controller graphic. Mm-hmm. It was just maybe the most 2011 thing ever. I loved it. Um, but yeah, so you have the next drive come up. You get a third and nine, or I think it was a second and nine. Tory clearly gets held, and then they just do the same throw to Tory, and they pick up the first. Like I, I don't know if you remember that, but I just remember thinking like that's kind of fun. Like this is a cool offense. Exactly yeah. play. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tory dropped the first one, and then this, and then Flacco went right back to him, and, uh, and, Torrey, and Torrey a little theme of the game of, there. Uh, a precursor to the fourth quarter. Right? Yeah, exactly. I have never seen a remotely effective receiver such as Tory Smith, and I thought he was going to suck out of college because of it. When he would catch the ball, you're ta- you are taught to put your pinkies overlapping over each other so that you can brace and put as many fingers as you can. Torrey Smith would clap the ball in. Like his hands would be two feet apart and he would catch the ball and clap it. A lot of a lot, like, lot of this too. A lot of that. Yes. Like gator arms, wide hands, and like late hands. And I was like, this dude is going to dr- set the NFL drops record in the NFL with Joe Flacco throwing the b- ball deep. And he had, I think in this game, he had at four. least two, if not three, four. four drops. I counted four. It was a tough scene. <laughs> but yeah, for those who could not see, I was doing the please, sir. Could I have some more hands? Um, which is kind of what I was always reminded of with him. 
Um, but yeah, so you got a third down throw to Dixon that goes incomplete in Steeler territory. So it brings out Cundiff, uh, longest active streak of kicks inside 50 in a row with 32. And they bring that up uh, approximately 7,000 times before he kicks it. So he promptly goes out and misses it. So still three, nothing Ravens with two minutes and eight seconds left. 40 yard attempt. As you saw 32 in a row from inside 50. And of course, the minute you put up something like that, it's the kibosh. The kibosh strikes. It's just the magic of the uh, the Morgan Cox Sam Cooke uh, battery there putting it down. So if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I believe 2010, he was 26 of 29 Pro Bowl kicker, sets the NFL touchbacks record. Um, looked, I think he had like a mini Chris Davis episode. I think where he was like. Jack, possibly a little juiced up, <laughs> nailing the ball. Then comes in 2011. Any like of all the words that I've used, people, you know, I've heard people use to describe Billy Condiff, and there have been many in the past decade. Chris Davis juiced up. I cannot say has been among them. I'm telling you, Billy Condiff was shredded. You know me. You know I. Yeah. Know. Did he have an Instagram <laughs> account? It doesn't feel like this was prime Instagram years. I could have weighed him within a pound in 2010. He was at least 215 pounds. I want to say he was about 217. Billy Cundiff was jacked out of nowhere, murdering the ball out of the back of the end zone touchbacks. And in 2011, he goes 27 of 36 or nine. I want to say it was 36. So a down year for sure. He was a good kicker. Yeah. He was, he was good. 14 in the postseason in his career. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, his issues in the postseason, well-documented. But I think... You know, everything that went on to happen the year later when they won the Super never Bowl. I, I've, for, I've forgiven Billy Cundiff since. I don't know about you guys. I, I've forgiven him. He never kicked another football after that. I haven't forgiven him. You don't, was, you don't miss that kind of kick. Not with he was, no, he was with the player. he was with the Browns the next year after. I don't no, know if he, he ended up playing, but he was like... Yeah, oh. he definitely played. Mm. The Vikings were looking for a kick, I heard. They, well, they had their fair share of tough kicks in big games, too. Mm. That's also true. But yeah, Cundiff was a good kick. He was a good kicker. He was fine. Yeah, he was good. But he just happened to get replaced by the GOAT, which is tough for him. Uh, so it's still 3 nothing. Steelers take over uh, kind of near the 50, a little bit uh, beyond it. And then Heath Miller just immediately catches a pass to convert a first down. And I did not miss hearing those stupid fucking chants. And with max protection, the pass is caught by Heath Miller. And the crowd salutes him. He caught six passes against New England in the first quarter last week. He had an appetizer and entree and dessert. And it was so annoying because the Ravens fans had he. Yeah. I think we had it first, didn't we? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's just like anytime there's that, like, e in a name, you get it. You get you get that yelled out. The white tight end, like uh, Suggs would say, right? Yeah, American exactly. Express. That was about Keith Peter. Miller was better than Jason Witten in their primes. Don't at me. First round pick. He That's a, a take for sure. Yeah, I mean, Witten's definitely like maybe this is revisionist history, but feels like a little bit of a compiler. Miller was a good blocker. He was a better really blocker, good blocker. than Witten for sure. For sure, really good blocker. So you got him getting things going, and then uh, a young Antonio Brown breaks it open with a thirty-two yard gain yeah. on that same drive. Breakout. This was his breakout year. This was his second year. He went from one hundred sixty-seven yards as a rookie to over eleven hundred. Uh, Only two year. touchdowns. We just wish we could do it. Yeah, if we don't look good, we don't look good. Second down and eight. Roethlisberger. 
Throws back across the field and wide open is Antonio Brown. And gets by Reed just for the moment. But Reed got enough of him to stop him at the 21-yard line. Uh, and I thought this was a, that was a bust of coverage by Ed Reed. Um, I, didn't, I didn't watch a coach's film. But, might, it uh, might have been Pollard, too. This was this, – yeah, Pollard, Pollard. He had a rough struggled. game. Colorado. Reed was was going a little too crazy in this game back there. Well, Reed was getting old. This was his second this last is, game. Yeah, he was. Know? This wasn't Reed's best game for sure. But yeah, this was an AB, and AB had a game. This was a game for him. Uh, yeah. And this is really when he broke out. Yeah. So they introduced the defense. I want to bring this up. So they introduced the defense uh, heading into the second quarter. I think on this drive, reminded me of a random anecdote. So I saw you were talking about Corey Redding today on Twitter, Spencer. Uh, very underrated player. Love Corey Redding. Uh, Corey Redding, a big Rubik's Cube guy. Hmm. So for, for some reason, our math class had this whole like Rubik's Cube obsession when I was in high school. So this is right around this time. Uh, I don't know how. Well, we had uh, a coach, actually, that uh, had a kid at the school. Um, shout out to Wade. Uh, and he I guess he got Corey Redding to come in and you uh, had the big Rubik's Cube competition and he participated in it. I don't think he won, but, you know, he got pretty close. Hmm. I shook his hand. I was like yeah, 16 and I, sh- uh, yeah, I tried to shake his hand with my hand. Like it was just not even a shake. He just like clasped my like, hand within his and said, Hey, how's it going, man? Corey. Redding, Redding was a beast. He also scored a touchdown against the Steelers in the playoffs the year before. The critical. Oh, yeah. That should have been a critical weird, play. Like, whistle, whistle play. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah, uh, Redding it was, was a player. Very heads he up. Was play one by of him. those classic little three tech, five tech run stuffing, like mm-hmm. jerks. And he ends up cracking Richard Mendenhall, throws David Johnson, the tight end, who is one of the most weird players ever, that David Johnson, uh, throws David Johnson off of him, smacks Richard Mendenhall, who, as I said on Twitter, was the little bitch of the Ravens. He got cracked so many times what, when he played ball. What year did Ray Lewis break his shoulder? I think was it was the year year? I think it was the year before this, because I think it they mentioned the it. Season. I think they mentioned it on the telecast. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was not like that was the that was one of the Ray Lewis hits where you were like, Ugh. well, I mean, speaking of that, this same drive yes. Ward with the catch in front of the sticks, Ray just comes up and smacks him and no flag. Like we're going to mention this a lot when we do this. Series, it was helmet but, to helmet. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So that's up a fourth and one. Harbs, of course, challenges it. And I mean, oh, we got to go back. We got to go back to the Ward hit for one second. Because yeah, this is the last that was the last play you ever played against the Ravens. After years of taking cheap shots and busting up Ed Reed on crackback blocks and everything else he did, played the first game. Jared Johnson knocks him out cold. He's hurt until this game. Exactly. Comes back, first play, third down, has a ball in his hand. Ray Lewis rings his bell, knocked out for the rest of the game. R.I.P. Heinz Ward. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. That stupid Why, fucking wipe smile. smile off his face. <laughs> we R. had R. to bring it up. Keith Rivers, Bengals linebacker. <laughs> God, but yeah, I mean, so there's your Heinz Ward anecdote makes that catch or doesn't make that catch because Harbaugh challenges the completion. Turns out he was right. It was going to be a fourth and five of six in challenges up to this point, which is crazy because he sucks at them. (laughs) I was going to say, I I think I wrote that down. Like it does not feel historically correct that he was five of six on challenges because it felt like he was a little bit better this past year. But the years before that, he just he couldn't figure it out. And I mean, I think it's part of the rule book turning into this complete swamp of litigation and god knows what else but he just has not been able to figure it out with the challenges since 
this God year. God knows not that Harbaugh's listening. probably tried to read a lot of these rules late at night by himself, and his brain just starts <laughs> oozing out of his. He's ears. just like sitting there. He's like in his little study with it's got the low lights and like the green lamp thing, and he's got his like glasses halfway down his nose, and he's just trying to like read them up, and he's just you know completely lost. Poor guy. Poor but he guy. got he got this one right. It was a fourth and nine, forced a field goal by Sean Sweezum, who bangs classic Steelers kicker. Uh, yeah. Well taken care of. Capitals will hold now for Sweezum, a 36-yard attempt to tie the game. The snapper is Greg Warren. Kicking to the open end of the field. And this one is good. So Just he, like him, Jeff Reed, Boswell, all these like above average kickers that'll like miss 11 one year and then have a Pro Bowl year the next. I, it's I a love stadium them. too, though, right? Yeah. The yeah. Coming off the river and all that. They had that weird anecdote that we'll get to, obviously, about how there had only been in 10 years of that stadium three 50 yarders at that point. And I was like, oh, well, Jeff let Reed. me tell you a little bit about this guy, Justin Tucker. He's not really going to care too much about that, but we'll, we'll get to that at some point. Um, yeah. So three to three. 1350 left in the second quarter. You guys remember David Reed? Oh, yeah. yeah. Virginia, baby. Uh, yeah, brings this, uh, you know, a kick return. And this basically encompasses David Reed. He has a good return up to the 40-yard line, fumbles it uh, promptly, and then Vontae Leach thankfully recovers it. So they, they've got... This ends up being an awful game from Vontae Leach, I'm not going to lie. He missed, like, seven blocks in this game. Palomalu clowned him on just, like, a little... Vontae Leach, I didn't remember. The Ravens would split him out wide like every other snap. And yeah. it's just like, okay, don't even cover him. He's motioning into the backfield and they're going to run a halfback blast. And Palomalu danced around him like a matador on one of these plays and came in and hit Ray Rice. It was just pure Cam Cameron, like galaxy brain shit. It was very, right. very frustrating. But we're going to send Leach out there. Do what? I think you, they they threw Leach a lot of swing passes. I still think he was the best. I did recently did the all time fifty three, and I had Leach, and they've had the Ravens have had like six or eight like really high quality fullbacks, but in my opinion, Leach was the best. He was in only the the, yeah he years, yeah I think he was he was there for a couple years. So I think if Ricard keeps on this track, he'll get there. But definitely uh, Juice Check, Allen Rykard, Sam Gash. In the day, Sam Gash was a monster. Sam Great, Gash, um, what a name. Mahaley. Uh, and who was the other one? Oh, uh, Leron McLean. Right. So it's a bunch yeah. of them. But Leach, I, I like. That's that. literally like eight of the top thirty tight end, top top thirty fullbacks in the last twenty years. Too. I mean, if yeah, there's yeah. anything you want to be known for in 2020, it's the great fullback franchise. So yes. good, good stuff there uh, by Ozzy. Let's go. But yeah, for sure. So you get two plays basically that go nowhere. Flacco stands in the pocket on a third and ten on this drive. Whips a pass to Laquan Williams, preseason hero Laquan Williams. Preseason hero, he catches a pass in the beginning of this game. Flacco was so good at throwing the ball when he was confident. The classic phrase, only where the receiver can get it, and borderline sales one to Williams. His spirals at this point are, like, pneumatically perfect. Like, it's the prettiest the prettiest spiral I've ever seen in my life is Joe Flacco during these couple years. Flacco was insane on third down in this game. Scary. The Ravens uh, converted 67% on third down um, against, as we said, the number one pass defense in the league. And all of them were like third and six, and he'd get seven. Third and seven, he'd get eight. Game play after play after play after play. Third and four on this drive, Pitta for like five yards. So they. That happened like three times. Yeah. So they get into Steeler territory. 
it's a weird like Ray Rice heavy sequence here uh, that gets the offense stopped, brings out Cundiff to Classic. kick a 43-yarder, and he actually nails that one. So good for you, Billy Cundiff. Now Cundiff, who missed one from 40, attempts this one from 43 yards. Sam Cook puts it down, and this time Cundiff's kick is good. So he is two out of three. That's the difference in the game at the moment. Six to three. He was, I mean, he kicked what, three field goals in this game? I think so, yes. Yeah, he had, uh, he had a fine game. Yeah, so it's six to three at this point, correct? So kicking it back to the Steelers and they introduced the Ravens defense, uh, or I guess they already introduced them, but they were doing some sort of graphic on them. And they mentioned, I wanted to bring this up, they mentioned Ed and Ray and Haloti and Suggs as the core four, as it were. His only two of the season, but the core four. Lewis and Reed for sure go to the Hall of Fame. Suggs probably, and then not, uh, not as only in his sixth season. Ed and Ray, definite Hall of Famers. They were right about that. Uh, Al says Suggs probably in 2011. This is during his defensive MVP year, correct? Yeah, yeah. And at this point, up to this game, he had six sacks. In, going into this game, he had... Nine tackle for loss, I believe 11 quarterback hits, uh, three pass deflections, and two forced fumbles. So he's on a freaking tear. And he had a three-sack game in week one against Pittsburgh, three quarterback hits, tackle for loss. Makes uh, makes a nice little play later in this game that we'll get to as well. Um, So Suggs, Hall of Famer in your guys' eyes? I think so. I don't know about first ballot, but... Oh, yeah. I think he's first ballot. He's top ten sacks. Okay. And he had the DMVP, and he has a Super Bowl. He has all the qualifications. I think and it is. I think it's like hard defender and the best run defender of this generation. Okay. In his position, so he's a two way player. Okay. I right. feel, yeah. I just feel like the first ballot thing can be tough for pass rushers sometimes, but definitely, uh, yeah. I, I'd love to see it happen for sure. But I just wanted. To I think he has like the personality mm-hmm. part. Yeah. 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 Right. Media also hard. Right. That's what he said in the interest. Media friendly guy. Hacksaw. Also hard university. So. Halfway through the second, you got a vintage Big Ben play. Huge gain, you know, on third and six to Antonio Brown. 45-yard line. He goes tackled by Pollard. Ben hanging right in that pocket with all of the frenzy around him, and it's a 20-yard gain. Well, the good news is if you get the blitz blocked, you get single coverage on the outside. And I tell you, this Antonio Brown has come out of uh, you know, get ready for this for the next decade. And this is where Chris remarks that this Antonio Brown has come out of nowhere lately. Yeah, I think he had 36 receptions leading into this game, second to Mike Wallace. Um, the, this, this, so we didn't even address this, and I need to put a disclaimer out. The Steelers were missing James Ferrier, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was named Lawrence Timmons. Woodley. Woodley, Woodley, Woodley. Woodley. Uh, they had Timmons, Woodley, Lamar Woodley. They were missing. Uh, they were missing Emmanuel Sanders from their receiving core of Heath Miller, Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, they also had, I believe, a missing offensive lineman. The Ravens' only injury report was Ben Grubbs, who was active. That's wild, Grubbs man. had a tough game, too. But, yeah, he had, Grubbs had missed a couple games, I think, heading into that game. And the Ravens whooped the Steelers' ass week one, healthy on healthy. Everything was go there, but the Steelers were definitely really beat up for this game. For sure. So this is the drive that I saw you remarking about on Twitter, Spencer. 
Uh, you've got the defensive formation by Pagano where he completely just overloads the left side with, I think it was Suggs, Johnson, and I might have been Ray. I don't know who else, but I might have mistaken Johnson for Kruger or Kruger for Johnson. What other? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Kruger. Yeah, okay. So the Steelers call a timeout. Ravens run the same formation. They call a timeout. So two timeouts in a row. Very weird. Uh, both teams come back to that third and this ten. This game was insane. It was sick. Yeah, and then Kerry Williams has a nice pass breakup to stop yes, them. So for for all of that, uh, nice little PBU there by uh, Kerry. And uh, you know, you go right back to the Ravens. You get two nothing plays out of them and a third and long. Uh, and you know, just quick anecdote by Al. You know, calling Paul Amalu of head and shoulders fame, which I loved. And Flacco just kind of throws away one to bring up fourth down. So two very weird sequences there by both teams. Absolutely. Paul a quiet game, I thought. Paul Amado. But you know who had a big game was uh, Debel Harrison. He was in the backfield all day. He was he was working. The yeah. offensive tackles. Three sacks. And I th- he, he just had the best second effort in pass rushes of anyone ever. Like he Strong, would, he would bowl a little bit. Yeah, and they, they ended up breaking out the literal protractor for a graphic at one point, and they're like, James Harrison was at a 42-degree angle. Like, <laughs> and he like he probably was, but it was just so goofy looking. But he he really was just such an intense competitor. It was unreal. He like hurdled Ray Rice almost at one point. And ends up oh, my Flacco. God. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Wish you would have kept him around off the practice squad. Right? Uh, yeah, you could have think they, you know, might have been able to use a guy like that, especially across from Terrell Suggs. But kind of think I, I went to McDaniel College training camp. Uh, my brothers would always take me when I was young. It was 15 minutes from my mom's house, and that man was about 2:30. I swear to God, was not Ray Lewis was bigger than him. He was not a big guy. Got bullied all around. I was watching him because. You know, I'd heard about this guy, had a lot of blah, 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 really good pass rusher, got beaten, comes back, the, ends up on the Steelers. He is 30 pounds heavier. And we've all seen the videos. That dude can, like, push literally a ton, 2,000 pounds of weight. I, I haven't seen these videos. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, fuck off. But they I don't, I don't watch amazing. workout videos, but I've seen this. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. They, because, like, whenever he posts literally anything, like ESPN and all these, like, Bleacher Report accounts, just put it literally everywhere and I have to see it. Doesn't really trigger me as much anymore, but back when he was still playing for them, even a couple of years ago, it's like, can we... He was, he was the Ravens wrecker. He yeah. must have sacked Joe Flacco 25 times. Uh, yeah, they got to know each other pretty well back there in the, uh, the old backfield. But, yeah, so nearing the end of the second quarter, uh, show a clip of Ray's pregame speech. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, People have their fun with Ray these days, but, you know, watching some of these old games, you can tell why guys were really drawn to him. Just a very fun guy to have on your team. But it was always the younger guys, too. Always the younger guys ate that shit up. Oh, yeah. It's just, you know, he's a natural-born leader, a a self-proclaimed natural-born leader, which you love to see. Uh, (laughs) And so Steelers, they're driving now, getting near the end of the second quarter, and they're into the red zone Jamil McLean nearly picks a pass, but he tips it up in the air, and Kotchery, Jericho Kotchery, uh, one of the better names in the NFL of the past decade, uh, catches it, and Pittsburgh now has the ball inside the Ravens' 10. Uh, they do not find the end zone. They have a couple of like passing plays that don't really work out, and then it's a sack, who we mentioned the young Paul Kruger and Pernell McPhee meeting at Roethlisberger to bring him down, and that brings out Sweezum for the field goal. So we're 6-6 six to six heading into the final minute of the half. 30-yard field goal attempt by Sean Sweezum 
is just inside the right upright. Any comments? They just converged oh, on him. What I don't know what the uh, the guard was trying to do with McPhee there, <laughs> but uh, Kruger was just textbook. Kruger was textbook, got a good jump, um, used a, a three-combo move. He used his inside hand to swipe, used his outside arm to club, and then came back and ripped through with his inside hand. And he did that in one step, like one foot step. It was crazy fast hands. Uh, Kruger was a freak man, and then they end up with the Super Bowl team. Him, Upshaw, and McPhee were uh, – obviously Jared Johnson leaves, but right. those three were just thick could stop the run. They were mobile enough to play the flat and intense competitors as pass rushers. The Ravens, and Kyle kind of touched on it, saying recently that Elvis Dumerville is the best speed rusher the Ravens had. They never Bullwear. really have had speed rush. Oh, Bullwear? yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullwear was a speed rusher, too. That's true. But in the last couple decades, pretty much, um, never speed rushers. Always the thick boys that run through you. And they had three of them at once. And, those, and obviously, Terrell Suggs leading the pack there. So those guys were just like that is Ozzy Newsom's prototype as a pass rusher and Suggs is really the only prolific one ever but when they beat you they freaking beat you as an offensive lineman they ran through you so that was always you know that physical style they were run stuffers first then pass rushers probably so those guys I always just had a little extra you know you always you always love the Jared Johnson and those kind of guys they those yeah those dudes like all came on at the exact same time uh that next year in 2012 and basically like fueled them to that Super Bowl run Kruger was unfreaking believable uh, I'm sure we'll cover at least a game or two from that run, so we'll touch on him. Uh, but yeah, so six to six, a minute left in the half. Nice return by David Reed. Actually, gives the Ravens uh, a nice opportunity to drive for a field goal. So this is a fun little sequence. So Flacco sacked by Harrison. You mentioned to start it off. Then he uncorks a pass to Ed Dixon. Dixon doesn't catch it, but he draws the personal foul on Ryan Clark with that helmet to helmet contact. So it pushes Ryan him. Ryan Clark up. was a brick shit house in this game. Yeah, he he was Just a thick. Nearly knocked out. McG no, the year before he knocked McGehee out. Knocked him out. Yeah, <laughs> like night so, night. So they were they were they were keeping an eye on him this game. He was a hitter. Yeah, and they they got him there. So they're near midfield. There's the seconds are ticking down. They pick it. Uh, they you know quickly pick up a first to Bolden. Bolden then picks up another first down to the 31 yard line. Uh, but it's goes under review. It's a bizarre play. He catches it, bobbles it up in there, and he's like bobbling it around like circus. And then he goes down. You can kind of clearly see the ball just chilling on the ground there a little bit. So it gets called back, and now the Ravens are at exactly the same spot with 11 seconds and a timeout, uh, not quite across midfield. Promptly, they false start. Uh, so they're now facing five more yards for field goal range. But My then, boy, Ben Grubbs. Yeah, exactly. But then it kind of all doesn't matter because you get a nice gainer to Ray Rice running out of the backfield, gets him up to the 33-yard line, and uh, you know, hard as nails, Billy Cundiff comes out for a 51-yard attempt. Ten years in the stadium, only two field goals of 50 or more yards, both by Jeff Reed and make one by Joe Medley as well. That's three. Here's a 51-yard attempt by Cundiff, and this one is good. So Cundiff has one streak end, and then begins a new one here after seven straight or 50 or more missing, bangs one through at the gun to make it nine-six Baltimore. And he drains it. Nine to six Ravens heading into the half. So very big, weird sequence there uh, that probably wound up being pretty crucial in the game and admirably handled by Flacco and the Ravens offense. What are your guys' thoughts on the first half? 
Ravens are moving the ball consistently, but they'll stall out. The Steelers are just like one yard, no minus two, 23 yards, like chunk, back, back, chunk, back, back. And so it was like the Ravens were consistently winning, but it, it just to me was so classic Roethlisberger, so big play reliant, but also so consistently producing big plays with these long throws. Have we gotten to where Antonio Brown digs the ball out between Ed Reed and uh, Ladarius Webb yet, or is that in the second half? It was third and 17. Third quarter, quarter, okay. But yeah, a lot of of big plays, and it was just, at this point, you don't know what the hell is going on. They're beating the snot out of each other, and you're just like, give me more of this, yes. Oh, yeah, it was was a smash-mouth, you know, heavy-hitting game. Um, You could kind of feel that Pittsburgh's offense starting to get into a little bit of rhythm in that second quarter. Um, And also... Ray Rice, I think also just how shifty he was back then. Just those little jump cuts and everything he could do. He's This was kind of the peak, I think, of Rice. And even 2012, he started t- tapering off a little bit. And then 13, 14 obviously weren't great. But um, 16 total touchdowns this year from Ray Rice, I believe, in 2011. Yeah. He was a monster. Pretty solid. So Steelers get the ball to start the second half. And I think their two plays go backwards, basically. But I think this is the one you're talking about where – AB just spins a couple guys out of their shoes and completes, I think, a third and 17. Is that right, or is that later on? There was a third and 17. I don't recall. I don't know if it was. I think it was the first drive of the second half, actually. And he runs, uh, he gives a little hezzy on a um, corner route, and it ends up being a corner post. And he just f- drops to the ground and s- makes an absolute snag between Ladarius Webb and Ed Reed. And as Vaz said, I mean, Ladarius Webb is a good cover corner at this point one of the better ones in the nfl and right in front of ed reed and at this point you're like this is when you're saying to yourself who the who the hell is antonio brown like how do they have so many good receivers what is happening and they were just able to get out of a third and 17 and that kind of stuff did not happen to the ravens in these years but as i believe collinsworth mentions they start playing a lot of quarters defense a lot of really soft uh four high and Roethlisberger's just buys time. The Ravens didn't have fast pass rushers, as I mentioned, but Roethlisberger was just around as fast as most of them, and so he could buy himself some time and was just so comfortable in the pocket. It was really just so frustrating to watch as a Ravens fan how long these plays go on and how long people have to cover. He just so naturally navigated the pocket. This is when he was still pretty mobile and, and nimble and all that crap. So, I mean, he was whipping, whipping in this game. Definitely. And then he whips another long one to Wallace. So they're really going now. And it looks like, you know, nine to six Ravens. It feels like they're probably going to have a touchdown here, but out of nowhere. First catch of the night for the guy who leads the team in receptions. After the 14. Oh, he's picked off in the flat. And that is Suggs. So such a great job being done on Suggs tonight. And then all of a sudden, this great drive going no huddle. Not allowing the Ravens to change that defense, and then out in the flat is Suggs with the interception. Our boy, T-Sizzle, picks off Big Ben in the flat. No idea how he managed it, really. He must have seen that thing on film a hundred times because he was all over it. A uh, huge play was about ten minutes ago in the third. And as he's walking off the field, Al mentions his career as a budding filmmaker which is sick. He had the production company, still going to this day, it looks like, Team Sizzle Worldwide. Great name. Uh, And it sounds like it's, you know, doing pretty well for him. He had three short films that year, uh, by the looks of it, one of which got into Con. So, Mm -hmm. pretty solid. Definitely didn't buy his way into Con. Yeah. Steve Smith wrote an article 
on NFL Net, I think last week, about his favorite teammates. And uh, he, he mentioned Suggs, and he started talking about Suggs' film career for half the, half the, uh, the clip there. I'm going to have but to that was a play of the game. Suggs, I guess it was a bubble screen to Wallace. And I think he did it to Ben three times. He did it in times. the playoffs a couple of years later with what, the, 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 the Stairmaster. Yeah. But too. he had another one where it was a screen pass during the regular season. He jumped up and got it. Um, he's so instinctual and in, in films and tape study. That's the other thing that, that Steve Smith Sr. mentioned that he would, Suggs would have this persona that he would want the media to think he was a clown or a goofball or whatever. But really, he was very, very serious about what his craft. So. Play defensive play of the game for sure. Him and Steve Smith were just absolutely destined to be teammates. I remember when uh, Smith first got there in OTAs, they were like, or there were stories about them like already like wrestling with each other and just like just absolute guys being dudes. Would have loved to be locker. Their lockers are next to each other, which I didn't know until I read this. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, definitely two dogs for sure. Oh yeah. So my favorite part of that play is for five minutes before this, as I had mentioned earlier, Collinsworth is. Talking about Max Starks, the left tackle, tackle the Steelers, yeah. how he had to lose weight, and basically saying how he's shutting Terrell Suggs down, and and nonstop every play they're going back and looking at Starks and Suggs, Starks and Suggs, and there's like a montage at one point, and so this is when I'm getting annoyed, and I'm like, all right, Collinsworth, like I'm gonna kill you, and so then of course the Ravens have been playing Suggs at the right defensive end position over the left tackle the entire, or I guess right outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it over the left tackle the whole game, switch him over to the other side two plays later. And as Collinsworth did break down really well, Roethlisberger was just went to the line, looked left, went to the line, looked left, never looked right, turned, snapped, didn't even look, and just launched the ball to Suggs. And like you said, Jake, I mean, he knew that was coming. Suggs was the best outside linebacker against screens on his side in NFL history. I'm confident in saying that. You guys remember when uh, George Costanza jumped over the puddle and he like he was concerned about how he looked effeminate? That's kind of what it reminded me of. Like when he, uh, he he did a little trape skip move to like jump up and grab it. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. So love Suggs. Great play by him. What episode is that in of Seinfeld? It's the I don't I know. Think. I think it's might be one where George is concerned about like people thinking he's like effeminate. I don't know if it would play especially yeah, 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 well yeah, yeah. In, was the whole episode. Yep, in these yep, days. Yep, yep. But yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, pretty funny. So. And he also does like the thing where he like throws his hands up and he's like, he, he didn't even know why he did it. But. Suggs couldn't do that because he was too busy intercepting the ball, but moving on. So the drive continues um, or hang on, let me check my notes here. So the Ravens, you know, they're driving into Steelers territory. Flacco, he pulls a Flacco and just kind of hawks one up to Bolden uh, in the end zone, draws a PI on Ike Taylor ball is placed on the 40 four yard line i think they started this drive where was the sucks pick like right before midfield so must have been a pretty no no it was deep he was deep, deep. they were in the red zone okay. they probably had the ball around the 25 the Steelers yeah. or their, their own 25 after yeah. he got tackled okay pitta had two third down conversions um little squeakers rice had it rice had a, a third down conversion lebeau was sending overload blitzes at flacco just no respect for flacco at this point just blitzing 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 and and joe just keeps keeps making throws on third down. Yeah, definitely. I probably forgot to include some of those in my notes, but basically they get down to the red zone. And like I mentioned, they get that PI call um, and Ray Rice just bangs it in, uh, you know, from the four yard line. Awesome block by Vontae Leach. Blacko struggling all season in the red zone. So he puts it on the ground, he gives it to Rice and Rice chugs ahead for the touchdown. 
Four minutes, 27 to go in the third. Ravens are up 16 to six. Uh, the bullshit chants are in full effect after that uh, P.I. call. Billy Cundiff for the extra point. The game's first touchdown belongs to the Ravens. What you love to see. Love it. Love it because so many, I felt for so long, so many calls went against Ravens, especially in that rivalry. And especially no calls on blatant, horrible holds. That was my biggest pet peeve of this rivalry around that time was the Steelers offensive line bear hugging people and not getting off of it. I used to, and I was, I was younger. And as Jake said, testosterone fueled at that point. It has nothing to do with age. I was older. Even in this guys. game, it felt like there were some then, really then, bad ones. And then the Ravens would run a punt back for a touchdown, and they would have a, they would call a hold because somebody went like this, you know, inside. The, I mean, the it already play. happened in the first play of the Even game. in this game, it felt like there were a bunch no, of bad ones. No, Pittsburgh's a public team, and they always get the calls, and the Ravens just had to battle them and the refs until they beat that ass bad enough that they could start getting some calls. Mm. Yes. Love to see it. So here's where that third and 17 was that I was mentioning. I think I got a little bit mixed up. So it's their next drive, the Steelers. They're down 16 to 6 at this point. You got a third third and 17, and I think this is where you were talking about with Brown with that circus catch near midfield, and that really gets them rolling with uh, about a half uh, left in the third or a minute and a half left in the third. So really need something, and they start to get it. Heath Miller catches a first down, shakes a couple tackles, just rumbles to the 26-yard line of the Ravens. Sick blown coverage by Bernard Pollard. Thank you for that. Um, and then Heath picks up another first right after that. Quick run by Mendenhall has them to the 10-yard line as we head into the fourth quarter. So Ravens up 16-6, to heading into the fourth quarter. Steelers now threatening. And uh, interesting bit of the game here because Ike Taylor mentioned, um, I remember, I think it was when Jameis was coming up. He said he reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger because his athleticism, it's almost like he's an old Volvo. Where he's just like, you know, it's this old kind of clunker, but he's still getting it done and he can get you where you need to go. So Ben kind of scrambles almost for a touchdown, stopped just on the goal line. How many times uh, the Ravens, I feel like, and maybe it's just because that is the team I'm centric on. How many of these goal line over the years, so many goal line knees down, fumble, touchdown, even on like that, both sides of the ball, them having the ball and the other team. So many of these little diving goal line fumble was it a touchdown plays we saw it in back-to-back weeks 2018 into 2019 cleveland browns lamar jumps over the one drops the ball trying to pull it back Peppers. Peppers should have had a hundred yard touchdown doesn't get it stupid they should have had a touchdown then the next week marlon humphrey on the chart against the chargers takes one back the other way i, I feel i feel like the ravens are involved in a ton of them yeah they they certainly are so ASC just, North football definitely plays a part. Exactly. Just, you know, a bunch of guys out there giving each other, you know, black eyes and whatnot. Uh, so we have first and goal, foot to go. Mendenhall stuffs it in. The fullback. And they give it to Mendenhall, and then he goes for the touchdown. 16 to 13 as the fourth quarter is opening. Next drive, Ravens get it. Flacco sacked to open the drive. James Harrison, absolute beast, as we mentioned. Uh, but you got a little bit of a, I think it was a second or third and long and Joe hits Tory to pick up a first and get the Ravens some breathing room. And following that, you've got a collision with Vontae Leach and Ryan Clark. I think that you guys have been talking about that was absolutely bone shattering. So it sets up a second and five Ricky Williams converts that. So the Ravens are really starting to drive here uh, with 11 minutes to go. They convert another third down to Bolden now in Steeler territory. 
So now it's third down. They're really driving. They're looking to put this game away. And uh, who else? James Harrison sacks Flacco. He fumbles the ball away on that third down. William Gay recovers it. Steelers take over on their own 40, uh, down 16 to 13, with seven minutes and 40 seconds left to go in the game. Under eight minutes. Three receivers to the left. Come out of that formation and then go back into it. Back on third and eight under pressure. Loses the ball. Picked up by the Steelers. And that's the way that drive ends as William Gay recovers it. How many quarterback hits do you guys think James Harrison had in this game? Eight. Yeah. It's seven. Seven quarterback hits in a game. He was Flacco too. This is partially on Flacco. His pocket presence it got a little bit better when he got older. And he had a great game throwing the ball. But uh those early years, you just wish he could have felt that pressure coming sometimes. And he just quite a few fumbles, uh, especially against Pittsburgh at crucial moments. Definitely. So, like I mentioned, Steelers about to go on a drive here. They immediately hit Antonio Brown for a first down. They have another completion to Kachery off of a tipped pass. And it's just one of those bad luck plays for the Ravens going in the Steelers' favor. I feel like uh, that happens a good amount of time. We've already sort of touched on that. Uh, and then you get another nice gainer this time to A.B. And, uh, Spencer, I'm sure you want to touch on this one because it's the one by Jameel McLean that you were talking about on Twitter earlier. Jameel McLean comes up, and Jameel McLean is a meaty linebacker. He was a big, thick, square-built guy. He's a chunk boy. And- Yes, chunk boy ran a four seven three forty, but Lord could he hit, and he could, he was just smart enough to be able to move in the in the little zones, the little hooks, uh, and a lot of zone from the linebackers and the Ravens this game. Obviously, Ray is not a burner at this point in his career. He used to be pretty fast, but he is not, and so a lot of those little hook zones, same thing as what Ray did to Heinz Ward, same area of the field. Jamil McLean comes up straight for hits right through him and then gives this double fist pump that was so sick afterwards, like a like a chug, like a truck chug like hump thing. And he cracked Antonio Brown, which gives me a little bit of solace looking back, knowing that that happened, and then thinking about Antonio Brown on Christmas Day, uh, destroying my hopes, dreams, and the birth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Was Jesus a Steelers fan on that day? <laughs> probably, probably. You got to, you got to think so. Oh man, <laughs> we even got God against us. But yeah, so same drive, third down. Ben rolls out doing bang shit. Throws for Antonio Brown, who's opening the end zone, but it is actually caught by someone else. Five from the twenty-five. Haroldy Moore in the backfield with Roethlisberger. Off he goes to the slot. Roethlisberger breaking away, throwing to the end zone. Ravens legend Mike Wallace hauls in the touchdown. So 14 unanswered points at Steelers 20, Ravens 16. Four minutes 59 left in the game. What is your guys' perspective watching this, even just, like these days? Just beyond the fingertips of of Kerry, he was right there and he couldn't quite just touch it. Brought out for uh, it. Kerry Williams underrated. And Ben. I don't like Ben, obviously, but you have to respect him, especially there, man. He was he was a baller, and he would stand in there, take hits, and scramble around. And Break out of tackles. They were like, I hate Ben. I hate Ben. I didn't – I respected Ben. I hated Heinz Ward. I respected Ben. I hate and respect Ben. Like, he is not a guy that I would want to be friends with, but it's like, yeah, this guy is just an absolute beast. What are you going to do? I mean, really, really awesome quarterback for a very long time. Hopefully not anymore. We're going to see this year. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, so 459 left in the game. Watching this game, I definitely recall being like, okay, here we go. Like, it's it's pretty much over. And that was not quelled by the quick three and out that the Ravens suddenly have. And after a long game of leading them, it's looking pretty bleak. They punt back to them. And the Steelers get the ball first and 10 from their own 45. So a third and nine comes up. Ben forces Corey Redding to jump. He absolutely smokes the center, and he gets called for encroachment. Pouncey. Oh, was it Pouncey? Mm-hmm. Damn, Young he's Pouncey. been there forever. So yeah, he was teammates with Tebow. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and Hernandez. And Hernandez, yeah. <laughs> and Riley Cooper. <laughs> oh god, Chris Leak. <laughs> god, I love Urban Meyer. But so he he smokes the center. He smokes Pouncey. He gets called for encroachment. Third and four complete decauchery into Ravens territory. So it looks like this one is pretty much over, but the Steelers really botched this. So they have a backwards run. You got a second and 13. Not a finally, not a finally showed up, not a had made a playoff game. Yeah. For finally sure. showed up on this drive. Yeah. So he blows that up. Ravens use their first time out. You get a quick dump off. I think, I think it was a running back on that one brings up a third down and five Ravens use their second time out. And I kind of don't really know what they were going for on this one. It looks like a swing pass, to the left, Ben throws incomplete. Two minutes, 34 seconds to go. Steelers bring out the field goal unit for a 47-yarder, and they have a delay of game where I don't know what the broadcast was thinking, but they were like, yeah, you know, just a malfunctioning play clock. Delay of the game. Offense. Five-yard penalty. Still fourth down. Well, not really. I mean, it's malfunctioning offense. Oh, that is... Big now, wow. I think you shift. Now you punt the foot. Sure, yeah. Oh, malfunctioning play clock. Who knows what's going on here? And then uh, it turns out that I think it was Walt Anderson who was the ref. Uh, he called them for the delay of game, and then it's uh, you know, it's not a malfunctioning play clock, it's a malfunctioning offense there, Al. Tomlin wasn't pissed though, so I don't like I question whether it was intentional or not to take yeah, that yeah. delay of game. Because they kept saying they were on the windy side of the field, whatever. It's also like a long, it's a 47 yarder. Like you mentioned, Sweezum is kind of a journeyman, so maybe you don't want to risk it. So that could have been very much the case that they intentionally took that. Uh, but it was kind of weird that they like sent them out there and everything. I don't know. Maybe, right. I, maybe I just don't know what's going on. Who could say? But they just didn't respect Flacco. That's what it was. Yeah. This is the game that Flacco they earned, you know. Yeah. And I think Flacco had, had beat them in Pittsburgh the year before, but for some reason, they still don't respect him after this game. This was, you, I mean, you mentioned Woodley. He was the one who said that the Ravens would never win a Super Bowl in this lifetime with Flacco as their quarterback. Fun fact, I said that Joe Flacco's rookie year after the game in Pittsburgh that he lost in the playoffs. You care to elaborate? I said, I was watching with my friend Clay, who sometimes gets in the comments and is active with us on Twitter. And I was Clay I with a K? With him, and I was like, yeah, Clay with a K. I was like, Joe Flacco is not going to win a Super Bowl. He is a fucking joke. Because that was when he was like Mr. Awkward with the ball in his hands, throwing picks, fumbling the ball. And I was like, I hated him because I just thought he was another bowler. He had like 14 touchdowns in a full season. And I was like, this I think 12. Is just a, yeah. I was like, and 14 this is another, another floundering, crappy quarterback that the Ravens pick up. And what do you know? They you have know the guy, like, I, 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 I know what you're saying. And he was as much as I loved him, he did not do a whole lot to like help himself as far as far as being able to defend because he's this big goofy white guy with a stupid name and like the eye, the, the unibrow buzz cut buzz cut that like how about the brows the, the oh, unibrow yeah like the whole thing and then like eventually <laughs> he used to look like Bert 
He did. And people <laughs> would make that joke. And it's like, I can't say anything. Like, he's not that good for one. He started to get better. But like, and then he just looked like a complete clown and he just wouldn't get it together. And then he kind of started to lean into it a little bit with the Fu Manchu, uh, which I appreciated. Yes. And I think that was this year, actually. The mannequin challenge and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, but I remember that I never knew this until it was it was after uh, Ed Reed's Hall of Fame induction. Ed Reed and Ray Lewis are having a little sit down one on one. Like they said it was an interview, but it was just like a it was a fireside chat kind of more so. And they were like, you know, we had Chris Redman, we had Gerback, we had Banks, we had they named all the quarterbacks, and they were like, we got McNair. We thought we had something, yada yada yada. McNair couldn't get it done. Um, they said every single time there was a new quarterback in the first live ones versus ones, they would run the same blitz, same creeper blitz every time. And Ed Reed said he intercepted four out of five times they ran it for the first time. It was like a little like trial by fire on the first, like whatever situation they could run it. He said he picked off Gerback, He picked off Banks. He picked off everyone but McNair. And he said that Flacco saw it, made an adjustment before the snap and then snapped the ball, took two steps to his right, and threw the ball out of bounds. And they were like, he knew it was coming. And they said they looked at each other, and they're like, we might have something with this guy. And it's just crazy that, like, obviously that might be a little bit of a fable or a tall tale, but it's crazy if that is true to any extent. Well, they, like, so they say that, and then you've got the America's Game documentary from 2012. They, like, touch on it a little bit. Shout out to Ed Norton was the narrator. Uh, and they touch on, like, the 2008 thing with Ray a little bit, who was interviewed for that, and... I like I guess the interviewers asked him like were you concerned like starting over with a new coach and a new quarterback again and he was like I think I thought that for about five minutes until I saw Joe Flacco throw a football and he did one of his little uh hyperbolic things about oh boy this boy can spin it or something like that it's it's pretty great go watch that documentary oh lord yeah pretty much so I mean Joe Flacco this is this is pretty much his moment so you have Kapanos, who was their punter in that game, really good punt, downs it at the Ravens' eight-yard line. So they're backed up, two minutes, 24 seconds left in the game. Pretty much have to drive the length of the field. They're down 20-16, to 16, so they need a touchdown. We're about to learn a lot about Joe Flacco here. Do you guys remember, well, I, I guess you don't, Spencer, but Voss, do you remember where your, your head was at at this point? Um, I still feel pretty confident because, I mean, the Ravens, they were down the scoreboard, but they were kind of controlling the game. You know, they had – I felt pretty good about it. I don't know. I, for some reason, I just – they were just always right there on the cusp, and I just – I felt like they were right about to break through against Pittsburgh. And Yeah. There you go. Just absolute nut-cutting time. So, from the eight, Flacco's first completion goes to Bolden to up around the Ravens 30. So, heading into the two-minute warning, really awesome play to start things off. Gives them some really good breathing room and, uh, you know, a good uh, good omen for the rest of the drive. So it continues. This time you've got a climb the ladder throw left side to, we mentioned, Laquan Williams earlier. Picks up another first down, this time at the Ravens' 42-yard line. Clock is actually rolling after that one. And then you have an incompletion to Ray Rice. Kind of dangerously tipped in Troy's direction a little bit there. But you mentioned he was looking a little slow in this game. Didn't, game didn't really close to the ball. Oh no, he closed on that ball. He not not he wasn't like close enough that he was playing deep half and closed to the flat and almost picked it off on a quick throw. Yeah, yeah. I never really like I don't know. I never really like freaked out. I mean, maybe this is a revisionist history, but I don't know if he was like close enough where he could have realistically grabbed it. It it was definitely an athletic play to get as close as he did, but I don't know. We don't have to relitigate that. But well Bolton just took it over. This that's on this drive, Bolton. (laughs) Uh, yeah. 
So the next play, Flacco goes back to Bolden again. Nine-yard gain, brings up a third and one at midfield. Next pass, third and one. Intended for Tory, knocked down by Larry Foote. So fourth and one. That the- was almost a pick, and it was a Bolden ran a flat from the slot, from the right slot, and I want to say either Reed or Williams ran a slant. So it was a slant-flat combo, which is a very basic route concept, and Flacco just completely misread this one. And he wasn't throwing it. it to any receiver. Like he threw it behind Tory, and uh, yeah, it just like clanked off of Foot's left arm. Yeah. So fourth and one at the fifty-yard line, sixty-one seconds to go. And one. And Flacco is able to keep it alive as Bolden makes the catch. Got position on Gay. He makes the catch. Flacco hits Bolden in the middle of the field again. Absolute clutch, clutch play here. I saw you were tweeting about this one. Instantly uh, gets the ball out. Instantly snaps the ball. Doesn't give any time for there to be a pass. Inside rush. position, puts it up high, like just. And I don't know work. how the fuck you're not having inside outside on on Bolden with a linebacker and a corner. I have no clue how you're letting Anquan Bolden, the only or viable veteran receiver on the team, right? Or bring have on Taylor, board. or bring Ike Taylor into into the slot to cover. Yes. Him. Yes, because uh, Ike Taylor was a good a good corner back then. He, he was a fifty million dollar corner. He didn't have any ball skills, but he could he could cover. He was physical, sure. yeah. But yeah, so that was an incredible throw, Flacco. It was, and again, we talked about earlier on that decisiveness, the confidence, and just like knowing where to go so much more consistently. And none of those play whenever the play mattered. That's why he was so good on third down. This the story of this game was whenever it was nut cut in time down wise when it was third down and then earlier in the game and then fourth down on this drive he got the ball out knew where he was going there was not going to be some you know messed up thing that happened he was going to give his guy a chance quickly make sure the pass rush didn't get there as Vaz mentioned they didn't have a great offensive line Harrison already has three sacks in this game so he just lasers a beautiful throw to Bolden on a little like skinny post or a dig or something um, and gets it in there. So that was like, that was like a hell yeah confidence. Like they can do this damn thing. Yeah. I mean, that's just an absolutely amazing, amazing play that obviously it sort of gets shown up by one later on the drive here. So people don't talk about it, but it feels like maybe even a franchise definer a little bit for the relationship between Flacco and Bolden. But another critical coming play. Off, Bolden's coming off that big game against the Cardinals, his former team the previous week. Revenge and game. That was a game where he put the entire team on his back. Yep. Some people said Bolden wasn't consistent. Uh, he was he was one of the best receivers the Ravens ever had. Probably, probably it, it's it's either him or Derek Mason, probably, and that's it. Yeah, and I Tory's mean, up there too, but those are the big three for sure. No yeah, question right. about it. If Smith had played here, Smith Steve Smith had played here longer, he would have been. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so after that, so critical play here, you get a short completion to Dixon. So it's second and eight with about forty seconds of play. They're at the thirty-seven yard line. So Flacco takes the snap here, moves around a little bit. Second and eight from the 37. Flacco under pressure, stepping up again, going deep, and it's off the fingertips of Torrey Smith. He got behind Ike Taylor. The speedy Smith was there off his fingertips. Got some pressure, but he's got just enough of a clean pocket. Chucks one up to Torrey, left side, who's just open in the end zone, completely got behind Ike Taylor. 
pass just completely clanks off of his hand. So brutal drop by him sets up a third and eight. Pass. Beautiful pass. Yeah. Absolute dime. And this is what was so – and it's a microcosm of things that frustrated me with Joe Flacco. If he climbed the pocket, he would throw a beautiful pass, perfect accuracy every time when he climbed the pocket. And this was – just a mirror image almost of the mile high miracle, the Flacco fling. Mm -hmm. Just, he's like, I'm climbing and I'm bombing this thing one-on-one. Every time he stepped through the pocket, dead pinpoint machine like accuracy. And that was a beautiful pass to Torrey Smith, who tries to clap the ball together like a freaking clown at a circus. He's like Jason Garrett out there. (laughs) (laughs) But so you got a third and eight who saves the day Flacco and Bolton. Yep, so just over 30 seconds on third down. Bolden, simple little out route. Flacco just pinpoints him. and very Same thing as the previous one he caught. Lined up left slot, shakes, and then breaks out instead of in. Just exact same thing. Probably is a option, a receiver option. Just a very smooth play uh, going to the sideline. Um, seventh catch of the game for Bolden. Steelers take a timeout here, I guess seemingly to regroup uh, because, the, God, they just could not figure Anquan out on this drive. Um and, and then they like, we're going to have to double him. He's eating us alive. Yeah. And so during his timeout, Chris mentions that, you know, Tor- he mentions his drop in the end zone and that he was responsible for the hole in the first play of the game that wiped out Rice's touchdown. I think that was really good broadcasting because it does set up what happens later on. So great job there by Chris. Uh, so right after that, you got the disappointment by Tory. You've got Bolden picking up that first down. Flacco goes to David Reed. Absolutely smothered by Ike Taylor. So I don't know what the play call was here. I think it was a throwaway a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's incomplete. Ravens have a second and 10 from the 26 with 23 seconds to go. Speaking of Bolden, Flacco throws over the middle to him. He drops one that would have picked up a first. So right, worst right. play worst play in his Ravens career. Uh, yeah. It's, no, he well, he had a drop in the, in the playoffs. playoffs a year before, yeah, right? Yeah. In Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember that one. Late shit. in the fourth quarter, it was. I think he. I think he and Hushmanzada had drops in that game. That mm, we I remember Hush. Okay, yeah, I think I remember it. Yeah, so third and ten, and this is where Chris says Joe Flacco is doing a great job on this drive, and his receivers are completely letting him down. Joe Flacco is doing a great job on this drive, and his receivers are completely letting him down. I uh, thought it was very astute comment. And, you know, Chris maybe gets accused of being a little too player friendly sometimes, uh, but he kind of really went after the guys there. And I think appropriately. But, it was bad. Two drops in the past two ca- or three catchable balls. One would have won the game and the other one. The, in hindsight, it is easy to say, but it ended up being for the best that Anquan Bolden dropped that ball. And I'm not oh, yeah, just talking. Yeah. I'm not just talking about the result of the play that won the game, but I'm talking about space and time-wise. Right. Uh, he would have picked it did- up like with at around the 11-yard line. They would have yes. had to use a timeout, and uh, you, you're basically really limiting what you can do at that point if he catches it. And you're condensing the field down, and in my opinion and in many others, you're better at like the 18, 20, 25 in those situations with a timeout than you are at, with, what, eight seconds left at the – or whatever, or 11 seconds left yeah. – um, at the 10, 11 yard line there. So it really ended up being for the best, but was a, a gut wrenching drop, gut wrenching drop to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. Flacco just, Flacco just kept trucking it. You know, it was, he was a never say die attitude on the, in this entire drive. Yeah. I, mean, I four, think there was four years of that. 
and it was 2010 through 2014. And there was definitely there was definite good and bad with that. Like sometimes he would just have a fuck it attitude and like not in a good way. Like he would just like he would do the thing. He would just hawk it up and try to draw a PI or just like trust his guy a little bit too much. And that would cost Those him didn't sometimes. Bother me as much as the fumbles and, and not hawking it up. And yeah, check yeah, downs yeah. And checkdowns. Check downs. Fumbles, yeah. checkdowns. Those are the two things I don't like about him later in his career. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it just, but I think at the time he kind of just had an absolute gunslinger mentality, just like which, like I mentioned, positives and negatives. But it wound up being a positive here because ultimately, third and 10, 16 seconds left in the game. Blacko again protected well to the end zone. And there's a flag down at the two-yard line. With defensive interference, that will hold up. And with eight seconds left, the Ravens will conclude a 92-yard drive with a touchdown. Pass interference, 22. Defense, ball will be placed in the spot of the foul. First down. Well, you can't write this script. Smith drops one, Bolden drops one, and then the rookie comes back and makes his first touchdown catch since he caught three and one quarter at St. Louis in week three. Drops back, loads up, and just throws an absolute teardrop to Torrey Smith in the end zone. Makes the catch. He was interfered with Ike Taylor. He got behind Ike Taylor. You had, I think, Ryan Clark running over, not fast enough at all to get to them. Uh, Torrey makes the catch. And just an absolute scene. You've got Ed Reed like screaming on the sidelines, like celebrating. You could hear him. Like, Ed the, Reed was all of us. Ed Reed was all. He of us. was, yeah, like seventeen times you were Ed Reed when Torrey Smith catches a game-winning touchdown. Buzzfeed should write that article, but yeah, so just a, a total scene. Like Flacco and Torrey just get mobbed in the end zone by the offensive line. Uh, just an awesome, awesome, awesome moment. One of my all-time favorites as a Ravens fan. And I mean, it's just crazy, and it, it really was Ryan Clark's fault. Um, not getting over and how it, it was just a rock in a hard place. And throughout this entire game, when Flacco was in the spread, the offense was humming. And whenever it was third down, the offense was so great. And that like, they just shot themselves in the foot running the ball had really no big runs except for the first play of the game called right. back. And it was so precise Flacco. And like you said, at that point, he has one veteran receiver on his entire active team. So he just didn't care anymore who he was throwing the ball to. Uh, relied on Q when it was crunch time. But then, obviously, the Steelers take that time out there. They're going to double Q. You play chess. Why did the Steelers take a timeout? They're taking a timeout because Anquan Bolden took us all the way down the field. What are they going to do? Double Anquan Bolden. And the right. Steelers just couldn't double two players. doesn't work that way. You end up letting up a free touchdown. And Torrey Smith was the benefactor of that. And good fucking Lord, man, you knew he was running a nine route. You he only ran nine routes and some like a little underneath stuff. So if he's past five yards, he's not running a comeback. <laughs> he's not running an out. That's why he grabbed him. He's like, I'm not letting you get behind me, motherfucker. Come back here. Exactly. And Tori just has those long flailing arms and you can't quite grab him and just die. He was like, I am not going to drop this ball. I'm going to fall with it instead of trying to fight it. And they that. Threw... I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Good. They threw PI on the play, right? Yeah, it they did. After the fact. Yeah, PI. Walt Walt so was Walt was getting a little confused. Like he saw the flag. Right. And, then and he's, he's like pointing. And then Walt is like, it's pass interference, gonna set him up down at the five yard line. And like it's like, no, dude, like it's a touchdown. And then he, he right. corrects himself. He's like, the rolling on the field is a touchdown, the play is a touchdown, there's no penalty. There's so much confusion. <laughs> I, watched the I watched the condensed version twice. And, and but, Flacco gives the very classic Joe Flacco. Or I guess I have to go this arm. The touchdown thing, yeah. Yeah, this to me, this was one of at least top ten 
if not higher, top five, maybe franchise defining regular season games. This was the one that kind of got, I think, and we know the Ravens didn't win the Super Bowl this year, but they did win the division, 12 wins. This they're, this kind of gave them the momentum to go into the playoffs and go into the middle of that game they should have won, which led into the motivation for the next season, et cetera, et cetera. And it was Flacco's, one of his signature regular season wins, uh, definitely. This is a game that I always remember where I was, where I was watching it, you know, and in, in, I was living in Canton at the time, uh, watching it with some buddies. And uh, this is one of those games I think we'll always look back on. Uh, the Ravens didn't steal it. They were plus eight in time of possession, but they just kept swinging, kept kept chucking wood, like, uh, what is it, chopping wood, like Harbaugh says. Yeah, exactly. It is, I don't think it's a stretch to say this is easily the best game-winning drive of Flacco's career. Like, he had a lot, and some of them were kind of a joke, like the one against Detroit in 13 when he basically marches him like 15 yards and Tucker kicks like a 61-yard <laughs> game winner. Like, that's not really like a real game-winning drive, but it counts as one. This one was just, 92 yards, just completely crisp, completion here, completion there, just kind of dinking and dunking like Joe Montana used to do back in the day. And guys were letting him down, and he just kept saying fuck it and just throwing it up to them and, like, having faith in them. And Torrey Smith said after the game um, it really meant a lot to him that after he had had that, you know, really tough drop that he went right back to him. And I think that said a lot about the chemistry that they were going to go on to have for the four or five years that they were there after the fact. If the Ravens lost that game after that Torrey Smith drop on that drive, that could have been, I mean, receivers and corners psyches are very delicate. If they're not a complete psycho sociopath, borderline sociopath confidence wise, that could have been a detrimental blow to his career dropping that pass. And I'm not, who are you, who are we to say that there wouldn't have been a little bit of resentment towards him for dropping that pass from Flacco himself and from other teammates and from the coaching staff? I mean, think about how quickly it spiraled for Perryman just a few weeks into training camp. And fans, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Fans could have, that would, that was like Voss said, that was uh, Smith, no, Jesus, not Perryman, Smith's fourth drop of that game. And that can start a little hate storm towards a receiver. And we saw, that exact thing with Prashad Pyramid can sour everyone's opinion on a receiver. It can sour their own opinion of themselves confidence wise. And it is so important. How many, it's so cliche and overstated now, but how many times do you hear quarterbacks, cornerbacks and wide receivers say, you have to let it go and focus on the next play. You have to have a short, short term memory, whatever they say, but um, that kind of stuff you have to be able to let go. And, and Tori, I don't know if he's like that, but from that point forward, he had Joe Flacco's trust and was very close to, you know, losing it maybe. And, and Flacco has that little story that I heard where Jerry Sandusky with a G uh, talked to Steve Smith for the first time once he came Thanks to for Baltimore. Clarifying. And, yeah, <laughs> comes to Baltimore, and uh, Steve Smith tells Jerry that uh, Joe Flacco was like, ah, they texted or whatever, had a phone call, and then they finally see each other in person. Steve Smith says, you know, hey, I'm excited to work with you, blah, blah, blah. Joe Flacco says, that's great, excited to have you. If you don't run the right route, I'm not throwing you the fucking ball. And, I mean – Tom Brady, if he doesn't trust you, you're not going in the goddamn game. So all that stuff is very real, I feel like. And it was a huge moment for Torrey Smith, who, uh, in terms of touchdowns, probably had the highest production of any Ravens receiver ever. I think 32 over his four years as a Raven, something like that. So it was huge, huge for the team, huge getting them to that championship caliber, getting the Steelers monkey off their back kind of all the way. They swept them after a couple of playoff losses to them. Uh, the Steelers end up going to the Super Bowl over the Ravens back in Flacco's rookie year and all that stuff. And since then, I mean, 
the Steelers had the Ravens number and have not had it since. They have never had a firm grip on the Ravens since that day. Um, I think, I think they the Ravens stuck. had their number, you could say. Yeah, they did yeah. for a while. They, Harbaugh beat them with Ryan Mallett, beat them, beat them in the 14 playoffs on the road, you know. Yeah. And we now have Baltimore, uh, Ravens, Baltimore Ravens joining comment. the chat saying F12, F Pittsburgh. So it's very, <laughs> very prescient uh, commentation there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, nothing else to say with this game. Uh, Joe Flacco's balls dropped at the exact right time. Boom. Anything you know, awesome. closing for you guys or Terrell Suggs goes on to win defensive player of the year. Um, this obviously ends in the heartbreaking wide left. Maybe we'll do that game at some point. Maybe not. Uh, that would be a fun game, one. I feel like we should do that. I haven't, I don't think I've ever watched it in full since then. I, I think it would be really fun, but, uh, yeah, that would have been the, even bigger game-winning drive for Flacco because he did throw a dime to Lee Evans, uh, who some people say had the ball pushed out of his hands. I say should have fallen the fuck down in the corner of the end zone and not even given the DB a chance. But Flacco is in his reign of terror of being a pretty damn clutch, confident, cool quarterback who didn't have the best supporting cast in the NFL ever. Uh, But at this point in his career, it really sets the tone that we can go be a damn good championship caliber team. Uh, that hump off their back was huge and it resulted in a Super Bowl, quite frankly. And this was one of the precursors or uh, baby steps towards that Super Bowl was going into Pittsburgh, playing a tough game, driving down the field, 92 yards, winning the game, uh, playing a clean game through and through and said a lot about this team where they were said a lot about John Harbaugh at the time and a lot about the decisions they had made validated a lot of, the tough choices they had to make over the last couple of years, letting guys go, bringing new guys in. Uh, it was huge, huge for this franchise, huge win. And they knocked Heinz Ward out of the game, both games. Never saw him again. Season. Sweet, sweet revenge. Yep. So. Just like Tom Brady throwing a pick six in his final pass as a New England Patriot. Absolutely. Another yeah. another one of Har- uh, Flacco's best comebacks, too, was at 2012, uh, the next, probably nine months after this game against New England. That's got to be up there. The Tory Smith with his brother. Oh, we're we're doing that game at some point. Let's definitely do that game. That's the best game day environment I've ever been to as a Ravens fan. Yes, because everyone was just there with Tory. Incredible, yeah. We'll definitely be doing that one. But, uh, yeah, if you guys got nothing else, I'll go ahead and get us out of here. Cool. Awesome. Well, really appreciate you guys joining me for this one. This was a really fun one. Um, And I think we're probably going to try and do one a little more uh, you know, soon than we had between the gap with the last one, I think it was a couple weeks. So if we could maybe get one out next week, that would probably be good. This is, uh, yeah. you know, not too hard to edit or anything. So, uh, yeah, going to keep we'll it probably rolling. try and check in one of these a week and one just updates on what's going on until we get news popping again. Definitely. So, yeah, you know, appreciate you guys joining me. Appreciate everyone tuning into the stream, listening to the show, a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. So, uh, you know, a lot of more important things than, talking football, talking old games going on. But uh, if this provides you guys with, you know, any sort of reprieve from that, we're happy to do our part. I know it helps kind of keep me sane to keep doing this thing with literally just everything that's gone on in the last six months, one of the more trying years of uh, my life, I would probably say, uh, which really is of our generation. This is the most trying year of you and my generation, 20 somethings. Uh, I definitely think. My, yeah. my grandmother is 93 years old. She's never had a year like this either. Yeah, I know. It's the Spanish flu and the recession, the Great Depression and all that stuff. But we are here. We got your back. If you need anything, if you need someone to talk to, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up wherever. We got your back. The boys are always here for you.
know no that. Doubt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, appreciate you guys listening. You can follow the show on social media. If you're not already, you can find the Twitter account at Podcast Beatdown. I run that. You can find my personal account at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Voss, where can the people find you? At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. Spencer Schultz, they can find at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four. Really appreciate you guys listening and uh, peace out. Stay safe. Call your parents. See ya. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>